We'll open your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 20. If you're using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 61. We're going to continue our examination of the book of Exodus and the Ten Commandments today. As we've been working our way through Exodus and the Ten Commandments, it's been my proposition that in the Ten Commandments, we learn how God desires for redeemed humanity to live. In the Ten Commandments, we learn what true freedom looks like. The Lord's redeemed His people. He's freed them. And then He says to them and He says to us, Now as my freed people walk in the way of freedom. And true freedom looks like this. True freedom and delight are found as you have no other gods before me. Freedom is found as you worship me, the real thing, and not through the use of idols. Freedom is found as you honor me and as you rightly think of me and speak of me, as you rightly use my name in a way that honors me and doesn't profane me. And today as we come to the fourth commandment, we learn that true freedom is also found as we rightly remember and honor the Lord's Sabbath day. Our sermon passage today is Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. But before we look at God's word, let's ask for God's help. Pray with me again. Lord God, we do want true freedom. Show us what that looks like. Show us where that's found. Show us that true delight, the true freedom are, are best enjoyed as we, through the power of your Holy Spirit, conform our lives to your revealed will as that's found in your word. Teach us, Lord. Humble us. Cause us to joyfully submit ourselves to you, to your word, and to your will. And we pray this all in the name of and for the honor of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, again, our passage will be Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. And as we look at this passage, notice how in verse 8 we learn what God commands. And then in verse 9 we see how we're to obey the command. And then in verse 11, the Lord explains why he gives us this command. Let's look at this fourth commandment now. The Lord tells us, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Now maybe I should say this to start our message this morning. Church attendance in and of itself does not fulfill the fourth commandment. But it's not a bad start. And I'm very thankful that so many of you are every week worshipers of the Lord. Except for maybe some, some who might rather not be constrained by commands regulating one's sexual activity. This fourth commandment is one that a great many people bristle against. 
And again, I'm so thankful that that's not the case for so many of you. I've heard one pastor say that this fourth commandment is the commandment that people hate. The commandment that people even love to hate. We can bristle under it. It can feel to us to be a burden. And it can be hard for us to find delight in it. And all too often we want to look for loopholes in it. We don't want to have what we might consider to be our freedom restricted by it. Truth be told, it may very well be that our aversion to this command reveals that we actually don't even really like the idea that the Lord himself would make such a claim upon our lives. This command can feel to us to be a burden rather than the blessing that the Lord intends for this command and really for all of his commands to be. And that's what the Lord does intend for us. The Lord intends for his people to receive the blessing that comes through the proper observance of this command and all of his commands. The Lord holds out a special blessing for his people through this Sabbath day, which he's created for us. And in our passage today, God prescribes for us a greater degree of joy and freedom through this rhythm of life which he presents for us here, of this cycle, this interplay of work and a holy resting. Verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The word holy means to set apart. And so this one day in seven is supposed to be a day set apart. It's to be a special day, a holy day. It's to be a day that's a unique day to be spent in a unique way. It's a day that's different from the other six. And we see first that this day is to be a day of resting. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. Or to observe this holy day, this one day in seven, that's to be set apart. And here we see that it's to be set apart to rest. Because that's actually what Sabbath means. It means quite simply to stop. We're to stop. We're to rest from our labors. We're to do our work in six days and and then take a Sabbath day of rest. And that's a pattern that's rooted in creation. Genesis 1 and 2, God labored for six consecutive days, making the earth and the heavens, we're told in verse 11, and the sea and all that's in them. And then he rested on the seventh day. Resting is part of God's created order. He himself rested. And as men and women, boys and girls, who are created in his image, the Lord gives to us this good gift of a holy rest. We're not meant to work 
constantly were meant to reflect God's image of being one who rests after a time of laboring. God grounds this Sabbath rest in creation. He also grounds this Sabbath rest in our salvation, in our deliverance, in our redemption. And to see that, we, we find that in Deuteronomy 5. The Ten Commandments are given to us in two places in Scripture, here in Exodus 20 and also a second time in Deuteronomy 5. And when speaking of the Fourth Commandment there in Deuteronomy 5, Moses adds this statement to the commandment. He says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. God's people were slaves in Egypt. Rest wasn't exactly something that they had a lot of experience with when they were held in slavery in Egypt. To a slave, resting from one's labor is a foreign concept. But what does the Lord usher his freed, redeemed people into? He ushers them into rest. He enables his people to rest from their constant toiling. He ushers them into this rhythm of life, which includes the Sabbath time of restorative rest. He ushers them into these times of joyful, satisfying stopping. These mixed times of working and resting are part of God's intended rhythm for our lives. But even as I say that, it's important for us also to recognize that there are situations in which a person finds themselves that they must work on a Sabbath. Doctors and nurses, for instance, need to staff our hospitals and lab techs too. Policemen and firefighters work to keep us safe. Utility workers work on a Sunday to keep the lights on. This type of work is called works of necessity. And it's understood that works of necessity are necessary. And Jesus even made allowances for this. When speaking to the Pharisees who, who had made all these extra biblical rules about what was prohibited on the Sabbath, to them Jesus said, Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He did works of necessity and works of mercy. And those are all acceptable and necessary things to be done on the Sabbath. But other than these works of necessity or of mercy, we're to stop our working on the Sabbath. Again, God's intended rhythm for our lives is for us to rest, and specifically for us to rest on this Sabbath day. Now, what's this Sabbath rest to look like? Well, it's to be a holy resting Look at the last half of verse 11. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. 
This one day in seven is a day that the Lord has made holy. And the rest that we engage in on that day is a sanctified resting, blessed by the Lord. The Sabbath resting that we're to do is a holy resting. It's a holy resting, also, don't miss this, to the Lord. That's what we read in verse 10. Look at that. The Sabbath day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. It's a day of rest that the Lord has given to us, but it's also to be a day of rest that is given to the Lord. In other words, it's to be a day specially set apart for sacred, sanctified, enjoyment of, and worshiping of the Lord. The Sabbath is to be a time of being in the presence of God and of being in the presence of God's people, sitting under His Word, worshiping Him, singing praises to Him, offering prayers to Him, and partaking of the sacraments together, receiving His holy blessing. God gave the blessing of the Sabbath day to the Israelites, these former slaves, to allow them to rest from their labors. But you know, for some of us in our day, rather maybe than needing to rest from our working in order to celebrate the Sabbath, sometimes it might be more important for us to rest from our recreations or our leisure. The Israelites had to stop their working so that they'd have a day set apart for the worship of the Lord. In our day, it might be more true for most of us that we may need to take a break from our recreations in order to give the Lord the worship that he desires and deserves. Rather than to not set apart a day to worship the Lord because we're working, many folks aren't setting aside a day to worship the Lord because they're playing. Or maybe just because they're not all that interested in worshiping the Lord. I acknowledge that was true for me throughout much of my early adulthood. Throughout too many years in my 20s and 30s, the Lord wasn't a priority for me. And so hunting or competing in retriever field trials, had a far greater priority in my life than worshiping the Lord did. And I gave myself over to the idol of hunting and playing and anything but the Lord. I acknowledge I went years at a time without worshiping the Lord, without stepping foot in a church even though I was raised in the church. It ought not be that way. Even spending time with friends or family. You know, it's a good thing to spend time with friends and family. But it's wrong and it's even sinful to sacrifice the Lord's Day worship in favor of a family day or in favor of just having a down day for us. For those whom the Lord's redeemed, the Lord's day is to be set apart for the worship of the one who's freed us and who gave his life to make us his own possession. 
Now, have you noticed I've been mixing the use of this phrase, the Lord's Day and the Sabbath Day? Let's take a moment to talk about that. Because after all, we don't worship on the seventh day of the week. Saturday is the seventh day of the week. When do we gather most often? We gather on Sunday, the first day of the week. And that first day of the week in Scripture came to be known as the Lord's Day. Now, is it right or is it wrong for us to gather together on the, on the Lord's Day, on the first day of the week, on a Sunday, rather than on Saturday, the seventh day, which we have to acknowledge is what the Lord calls us to do, calls his people to do in this passage. Well, we have to remember, where are we in redemptive history when this command is given to the Israelites? It's before the cross. It's before the resurrection. You see, ever since the resurrection of Jesus on a Sunday, on the first day of the week, ever since then, the New Testament church has taken the Old Testament principles of Sabbath Sabbath worship and has met to worship the Lord on the first day of the week, on Sunday. As I mentioned, Christ was raised from the dead on the first day of the week. Christ appeared to the disciples for the first time after his resurrection on the first day of the week. Christ gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to his disciples on the first day of the week. It was on the first day of the week on what in Revelation 1.10 is called the Lord's Day in Scripture when John receives the revelation from Christ. And in the book of Acts and in several of the epistles, we read how the church gathered together on the Lord's day, on the first day of the week. The first day of the week has become the Christian Sabbath. The Westminster Catechism puts it this way in question and answer 59. Which day of the seven has God appointed to be the weekly Sabbath? Answer. From the beginning of the world to the resurrection of Christ, God appointed the seventh day of the week to be a weekly Sabbath, and the first day of the week ever since to continue to the end of the world, which is the Christian Sabbath. So ever since the resurrection, Christians around the world have gathered together on the Lord's Day, on the first day of the week. They're doing that today in Nigeria. They're doing that today in Columbia, Missouri. They're doing that today in Columbia, South America. They're doing that that today in Chile, in Sweden, in the Canary Islands. Friends, enjoy the blessing that it is to be able to delight in the resting and the worshiping of the Lord that he offers to us in this Sabbath rest, the Sabbath worship. Rest in Jesus. St. Augustine famously said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Friends, rest in Jesus, the one whom the Gospels declare is 
the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus says to us, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your weary souls. In this fourth commandment, we're called to remember the Sabbath, to keep it holy. We're to remember on this day. And as we partake of that Sabbath rest, we do so with a holy remembrance. We remember the goodness and the glory of the Lord who's given us this blessed Sabbath rest. And we remember His work of redemption in Jesus, which has given us our eternal rest. And that's what we see shown forth in this meal that's been set before us today. In the cup and in the bread, this table, we see the work of Jesus Christ put on display. We see His work of living a sinless life perfectly fulfilling every command of His Father. And in the bread broken for us, we see His substitutionary atoning death on the cross where He became a substitute for sin for us and where God's provision of righteousness and acceptance by the Father was given to us because of Him. And He did this so that we can rest from our striving, so that we can rest from our labor. Beloved of God, find your rest in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. Worship Him. Receive God's good gift of the eternal rest, which is Christ Jesus. Pray with me again. Lord God, we do thank you for the blessing of the Sabbath day. Lord, forgive us for if we consider any aspect of that Sabbath day of being a burden to us rather than a delight, rather than a blessing. Father, we thank you for giving your son Jesus to us, who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you deserve our constant worship. Forgive us for all the times that we fail to give you that worship that you so rightly deserve. Sometimes not even once a week. Or Lord, sadly, even in my life, not even once a year. Lord, don't let our hearts become hardened to you like that. But Lord, draw us to yourself. Remind us of all of the reasons that we have to want to delight, to want to be quick, to worship you always. Lord, help us to worship you not only on one day in seven, but Lord, through the work of your Holy Spirit, enable all of our lives to be offered to you as a sacrifice of worship, as you call us to do in our word. And again, may we find our peace, our rest, and our joy in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.